Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. And today, gracing us with their appearances, Pia Orlean and Colin Baird-Smith. Thank you guys for being here. Our pleasure. It's always great to see you. So everybody grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above. Now, I didn't prepare one blooming thing. I was not inspired to talk about anything today in particular. I feel like today's going to be a day where we talk about everything that might want to come up. And of course, first thing that wants to come up is the fact that we're ending the shadow period or the collective shadow period. I believe it's tomorrow, correct? Yes. <clears throat> I'm kind of excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> we are too, although I have to say on our international live call this past Sunday, uh, Laura congratulated everybody and said, this is the first collective shadow cycle ever in the history of humanity that you've actually been making such higher consciousness choices that it's making a difference. Oh, my so, goodness. That's even, though so good we, even though we can't feel it or see it necessarily, we're getting confirmation that we are making a difference. And that's a good thing. You know, I know like the last uh, shadow period that was up, I was definitely in like some kind of victim mode and it just kept going and going. Like I, 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 I saw it, I recognized it. And every time I tried to pull myself out of it, there was another layer of it. And I was like, oh, haven't I already gotten done with this stuff? Now, this shadow period did trigger me a little bit, but not in the same way. Is it different each time, perhaps? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. They yeah. always start on a four energy, which is the foundation that we're working with. And they always end on a 10 energy, which is what are we going to manifest next? Or have we worked through our challenges? But the, other than that, they do have a different flavor. That They have different flavors according to where you are with your own individual energies also. That's where the individuality comes in. They start on, you know, they start on one thing, they end on another thing, but our personalities bring in with our own energies, how we perceive mm -hmm. it and how we respond to it. Yeah. And my guess is that is because we are always evolving. Yes. Yes. Yes, I mean, exactly. Presumably we're all evolving. And, you know, I, and it's kind of funny because this is something we always use, but it's like an onion, right? You're pulling off a layer and then there's another layer that's now exposed <clears throat> I'm guessing that the more work that you're willing to do, um, the faster you get through those layers. Yes, yes, I think that's absolutely true. Yes, and and it's all about whether it's whether it's during a, a shadow period collectively or a personal shadow period. It's all about the choices we make. If mm -hmm. if, we, if we take the high road, and and we make better choices and take better actions. The, the shadow period is going to be not only easier, but we will have learned more about those onion layers. So it, yeah. it's, it's absolutely up to us to, to take the initiative, take the responsibility to do the work during these periods, and we will reap the benefits. There's no doubt about that. And you ask yeah. if some of a different flavor. One of the things that's very telling about the collective shadow cycles is that I said they always start on a four energy universal, which is foundation. The earth energy they always begin with is being, which is 
new beginnings in every single moment. And that's exactly what gives it the different flavor because where we are in our evolution at the moment the thing starts shows us what's the flavor we're going to experience right now in this cycle and where's our work. And what's the day that it ends on? It ends on a 10, right? It ends, it... It ends on 10 and lightning. Are we yeah. bringing the light? Yeah. Which so is I... no... Oh, go ahead. Which, which is no accident because... After we've hopefully made some ground during the shadow period, enlightening is exactly where we need to be because did we learn something? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like the shadows, so it's not always is it a theme that plays out through the entire shadow period, that it can be many different themes or that... It can be something that you clear right away and then the rest of the period you breeze through. Is that true well, or accurate? That's true for personal shadow cycles. And if your personal shadow cycle, like Cullen's, is lined <laughs> up with the collective, then that's going to be true. But for the general person who is just looking at the collective shadow cycle and what am I going to experience, we experience whatever the collective is experiencing. So the, if the collective is up in arms about a particular issue, that's going to be the flavor of the drama that's going on. The triggers. The triggers. And that yeah. the energy that we put into that is how we're going to navigate it, co-create a better way, work through the darkness, all of that stuff. Hmm. That was and the consciousness of the whole species. So the whole, so everybody is resonating to this and that means that there's perhaps sort of like a nested kind of shadow in that the collective might be going through its own shadow, um, mm -hmm. like a, a nation like the United States or Europe or something like that, or even the whole earth for that matter. And then we also have the effect of it on us personally. Is that what you're saying? Yes. yes. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I would say everyone resonates with it. Most <laughs> <laughs> Most people have a clue what's happening and they just figure it's a really bad time. It, and those who do resonate with the work recognize, okay, we've got three weeks of challenge to deal with here. How are we going to handle it? Yeah. The, the, the collective in general might see, they don't know there's a collective shadow cycle unless they're involved in, in spiritual work or, or working on themselves. They're not going to know specifically what's going on, but it would be like them having a bad hair day for three weeks, not just one day. Or a bad printer day for <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> Whichever way it works out, right? Uh, let's see. Let's say good morning to some people before we carry on with our conversation. I see Tom out there this morning and he says, how's it Janet, Cullen, Pia and Astro family? Good morning, Pam Zaruba, Debbie Tibbetts Tumio. Hello to you. Do Joan Durchy. Hello. Uh, Tom says it's called Shadow Dancing. Uh, that was a song by Andy Gibb back in the mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, maybe. And Linny, good morning to you this morning. And Irene joining us from Sweden. Happy Friday to you as well. Christine Buckingham. Hello, Kajella. Good morning to you. Uh, it is a good morning, I suppose, to ask questions or maybe even to pop in with what kind of shadows that you were dealing with yourself personally or that you were seeing as part of this greater shadow cycle. Because I think there is value, Pia and Colin, in our talking about the shadows mm -hmm. because that's really the only way to bring them out, right? Mm -hmm. To bring them out of the dark. 
And there are lots of different shadows, lots of different things constitute shadows. Maybe you can give us a couple of examples of things that you notice or have noticed in this shadow cycle. Well, one thing that's calling Cullen's and my attention is Markma talks about our habits, but mm -hmm. we're noticing how many people are addicted to their habits. We're noticing how difficult it is for people to step away from what they're accustomed to doing and try something new, try something different. It's like they've dug their heels in and they're entrenched and I have to do it this way. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did. I haven't sort of noticed that I, when I, I, I make my bed every morning, I mean, I have done this religiously since, since I was a child and literally I get out of bed and I make my bed right? That's how I've always been. And what my youngest son used to laugh at me all the time going, mom, can't you ever just not make your bed? And I went, no, I cannot do that. I just cannot do that. So then I thought, well, I, and this is so minor in the grand scheme of shadows, right? Or habits. Uh, but I thought, okay, well, what if I just did lots of other things first and then came and made my bed? So I tried doing that breaking the habit, so to speak, of doing things. But there are other habits that I have been noticing, things like addictions to your cellular device. <laughs> or, you know, I've got to see who's emailed me just as soon as the phone buzzes or things like that. So I think mm -hmm. there is something about addictions, addictions in quote, because they can be many and varied. We tend to think of addictions as drugs and alcohol, but there right. are so many addictions that are just habits that are definitely entrenched that we need to look at. Any Anything yeah. that, that seems to, and I'll repeat, seems to keep us in our comfort zone is, is a, a habit or an addiction. I mean, anything that, that, that makes us feel like, oh, we're okay because we did A, B, C, and D, so we can get on with our life because we've made a comfortable start. And mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what you meant about, could you do other things besides making your bed immediately after getting up? Could you, could you make a cup of coffee? Could you, could you do anything that changes your pattern or changes the cycles of how you do what you do. And I don't mean you, Janet, I mean all of yeah, us. Yeah, all of us, I get that. And it's just, you know, from a minuscule little kind of habit that we get into, that is, it becomes so unconscious, right? And then it makes you wonder, well, what other habits or addictions, if you will, are playing out in my life or in all of our lives that we're just unconscious of, right? That we're just... Yeah. The whole idea of making your bed differently or any habit that we choose to look at, what it actually does is expands our perspective so mm -hmm. that we can become available to other possibilities that we never even think of. So it's important that we do this little exercise. It's expansive. Yeah. It's expansive. I mean, it really, it really does change how we perceive not only ourselves, but the world and, and the cosmos, because we do what we do. And I said this a minute ago, because it makes us feel comfortable. It, it makes us feel like, okay, I'm okay. Because if I do this, maybe the day will go well for me. You know, maybe, maybe if, if I dot all my I's and cross all my T's, everything will be okay. And that, that is a definite comfort zone 
understanding. And yeah, I, yeah. I think the whole, I think the whole understanding or the whole process of evolution is simply to do something different that's expansive or changing who we are. Because if yeah. we don't do something different, we're going to continue to be the same person day after day after day. Yeah, exactly right. And and if if there is that unconsciousness in one area, you know it's got to be in other areas as well. So becoming True. more conscious means we've got to look at all of this kind of stuff. Um, there is a question out here by Pam Zaruba. Uh, she says she has a question, determining personal number versus the day number. How would one figure this out? I'm thinking what she means is her you know, own uh, personal uh, number from her birth date. And how does that play out against the calendar? Is that right, Pam? You can always weigh in and tell us. Well, each person has a universal energy that they bring in with them at birth and, a, and an earth energy that they come to explore. Mm -hmm. So the number you're talking about, which is going to be from one to 13, is one of the cosmic numbers of energetic representation. And you are aligned with one of those numbers, depending on when you when you're born. There's two ways to go about finding that out. One is to get the book, Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology. And there is an ephemeris in the back for people born after 1975. For those of us who were born before that, there's a link <laughs> to go online and get the information online. So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to let me do a personal chart for you where I give you your karmic patterns, your universal energy, your earth energy, your relationship flow, all of that stuff in about a 25 page report. So there's two ways you could explore that. And that also gives them their uh, own shadow cycles too, doesn't yes. it? Yes. yes, yes, it absolutely does. We map out what your shadow cycles are, what the themes will be for you particularly, and how to work with them. And yeah, also we can't all be like Colin and have it all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, given so, that there's like two shadow periods a year, right? Oh, four. 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 And, and then you add your own personal ones in there too? Well, no, that's four personal ones. And most people don't have them aligned with the collective like Cullen does. And yeah. he has three others that aren't aligned with the collective that are just his own work. It's just the collective one when people have their personal and the collective aligned together are really intense. Yeah. But but we've talked about this before, Janet, with you. It's a double-sided coin or a double-edged sword. It It can be absolutely helpful to have both of them at the same time as Pia just said it makes it more intense which gives <laughs> us well it gives me the opportunity for more growth or it gives me the opportunity to learn more during that combined cycle so it could look from the outside as though oh my god this poor guy has to do two of these but at the same time it it can be more enlightening and more helpful because i have them together and I can tell you, living with someone who has this particular cycle of events in his life, I have watched him through the years master this and go into it now and handle the triggers really differently than he did when we first started working with the system. Hallelujah. You're, you're evolving, Colin. You're evolving. Now, uh, you know, to Pam's question here. So uh, if you have, like, I'm a two remembering how does that play into the energies of any given day? Does it matter? Yes, yes, it does. If you have 
We'll use you, Janet, as an example. Your energy remembering is a Western energy mm-hmm. because it comes from that energetic position. So if you're working with your own energies, you need to figure out what direction they come from, northeast, south, or west, because we orient by direction here on this planet. And then once you know, okay, I'm a Western energy, any day on the calendar that is also a Western energy, and they're marked, you know, north, south, west on the calendar, any day that's a Western energy is good for you. It's an empowering day for you. Mm-hmm. That's the day to have lunch with your boss and ask for the raise. That's the day to ask your girlfriend to marry you. You know, the Western days are very empowering for what you want to accomplish. Yeah. In the same way, the opposite of that would be Eastern days. So Eastern days will bring you challenges to grow. Those are the days that you don't want to plan to meet with your tax accountant. <laughs> or don't have a don't have a job interview. Yeah, don't do those right. things with challenging days because it, the calendar just helps you know when uh-huh. the energies are in sync with your own energy. So okay, you- so today's like nine catalyzing, and that is a Western energy. Yes, it is. So does any is there any synergy between the number two and the number nine? Or is it just between the earth energies of remembering and catalyzing? There can be synergy, but it's a whole different cycle. Mm-hmm. As a two, your energy is more aligned with four than it is with nine. Nine's more aligned with three. So it won't be an easy day for you. It'll be empowering in terms of the catalyzing energy, but there'll be some challenges in there where you might just throw your hands up and go, I'm just going to let this day play out. Because you've got both of them working simultaneously. You've got the Western energy empowering you. And at the same time, there's a little bit of offbeat between the two and the nine. So yeah. that, that once again, is something we talk about often with you. That, that is a function of duality. Because you, you could choose to do things that might work really well for you. But on the other hand the challenges that Pia just suggested could cause maybe those choices not to actually come to fruition or work the way you wanted them to work. Now, if you look at next Saturday, a week from tomorrow, that Mm -hmm. is a four remembering. So not only is it a Western energy, it's your particular Western energy. And the four energy is in harmony with the two energy. So that's a great day for you to get business cards printed. Oh gosh. Or maybe I'll receive them. Of course, that's Thanksgiving weekend for us here in the US. But uh it's just interesting to look at that. And by the way, people, you know, the book here goes a long way to explaining a lot of the stuff that we're talking about this morning. It goes into what each of the day signs is about. Day signs, you call them uh they're that's Mayan, but uh, the earth energies. And then it also goes into what each of the universal days energies are about. So the book Pleiadian earth energy astrology is a good pickup because it's not only informative, it's also easy to understand. And I really appreciate that when I'm, you know, talking to people about reading books, um, you know, sometimes they're written for people like me, they're written for astrologers. So there's a lot of technical jargon and stuff that I would understand. But to tell somebody else to read it, it's like, you know, difficult for them. This I thought was pretty easy to understand, both from a practitioner standpoint, but also from a uh, just a regular Joe trying to learn something about astrology. And while we're plugging, 
we might as well talk about this, the 2023 uh, Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar. Beautiful, by the way. And it's already available through Book Depot. What was that called that I got book, it from? Book Depository. Big Book Depository, yeah. You can so. go on our website, larkma.com or piaorlean.com. You can find where to order it there, but it's available there. 44 pages of information, explanation, plus the 12, including the 12 calendar buttons. So, yes. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We, we wrote the book in a way that we hoped that, that everybody would be able to understand it. Um, because this system is so different than other astrological systems, we wanted to be sure that, that, as you said, practitioners would understand it, but that everyone else who's not an astrologer would have a, a pretty functional understanding of how this system works. Because when people pick up this system, either the calendar or the book or both, it, it can be completely, absolutely different than, than anything they've ever worked with with mm -hmm. other astrology systems. So we tried extremely well to make it make sense in a, in a very easy um, platform. The whole idea is to get people accustomed to getting out from under the prison of time and yeah. learn freer by navigating energy. It's a it's the whole systematic change in order to give us more freedom in our lives. Awesome. So Pam, I hope that answered your question. And then I saw good morning, Nico. Good morning, J Lo. Uh Linny says a couple of weeks ago I looked at tiny things I could add or subtract to feel better each day. An example is stop using my phone earlier in the evening and putting it in another room when I sleep. Mm. Trying to break habits. I'm Which assuming. Yeah. And then Tom says, when I'm doing chores like shoveling snow today, <laughs> I switch the shovel to my non-dominant hand. To try, <laughs> <laughs> um, try doing that with a toothbrush. It will blow you out of your box. <laughs> I could probably do it. You know what, Tom? We're Geminis and that kind of gives us some ambidexterity. So uh, there's that. Uh, all right. So Pam says yes. Okay. So I think we answered her question. And JLo, does the vibrational birth number of our parents have any effect on us when their birthday comes and they have crossed over? Even our pets, does it affect us? Hmm, interesting. Not really. The only thing that affects you are the patterns that you're still living in because energy is constantly moving. And you're constantly growing and evolving. If you choose to stay in that energy of parents or siblings or the past in any way whatsoever, it will impact you. But that's a mental choice and an emotional choice. Energetically, you're not there. Energetically, you're constantly moving because one thing about life is that it always involves change. And because we are living beings, we're always changing also. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, good morning to you, Michelle. It's good to see you. Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel has a question. She says, I also have a life path numerology calendar I go by. Will both of these calendars work or will I have less or conflicting days that are good or bad? You'll have some conflict because the, the numerology calendar goes from one to nine because it's based on 
just those energies. Whereas the Pleiadian Earth energy is based on cosmic energies of one through 13. 13 is extremely important because it's the energy of integration. So for instance, in the numerology system, nine is considered endings. That's when things end. However, in the Pleiadian Earth energy system, nine is considered a day of harmony. That's mm -hmm. not when end at all. It's a day when you find balance and harmony in order to move forward to manifest even something better. Do you have a sense, Pia or Colin, either one of you, as to where the descriptions of those numbers come from? It's obviously not based on numerology because otherwise the, the nine would, would have a different energy than that. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know where they come from in Western numerology, except somebody's system of ideas. And you have to remember that we have 10 fingers and 10 toes and so many things that we have counted throughout humanity have been based on the number 10. So nine energies and then at 10, you start back at one again. That's a system that's very antiquated because it's based on how we view the world. The energetic system of one to 13 is a larger perspective, a cosmic view of let's be multidimensional. Let's step out of our earth three-dimensional plane and invite in a larger perspective so that 10 becomes a number of either challenge or manifestation, whichever we choose. Mm -hmm. 11 becomes an energy of bringing in light. 12 becomes an energy of deeper understanding. And then at the point of 13, you integrate all of it together and then you back, go back to number one. That's one thing that's so very different between Western astrology or Vedic astrology and the Pleiadian Earth Energy astrology is because the Western and Vedic systems stop at 12 and start rotating again. The Pleiadian Earth Energy systems <laughs> integrate and you can correct me janet i know no 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 i i you are absolutely right but there's a premise there that i find old and outdated because there is a 13th zodiac sign that the sun transits through every year but yes. astrologers almost all of them refuse to change the system to add and integrate in a 13th sign right it drives me absolutely bat crazy well, Janet, aware of that. Janet, that's habit. That, right? right? That's absolutely staying in one's comfort zone because that's what they know. That's what they've been trained in. And it's foreign to them to think, well, could we go beyond 12? That, that, that's one of the sticking points of not being able to move into a different perspective of a different kind of system. I want yep. to answer your question differently than what the Pia just said. Okay. Any, any number system was devised and designed within a specific culture in a specific historical understanding of what the people understood and knew at the time. It doesn't really matter if we can pinpoint, well, how, how did the, the, the most reasonable numerology system that ends with nine starts with one and ends with nine. It doesn't matter where it started or, you know, what system, the Sumerians, the Babylonians, it doesn't matter where, mm -hmm. but the, the issue here is it was perfect for the time it was invented historically. And I think we have to move beyond that understanding and come forward into the now present moment and realize that each epoch or each timeline 
where things were invented, it doesn't matter what the invention was, was specifically designed for the consciousness of the people at that time. And that's why we have to move forward and understand that when new things crop up, when new ideas or new inventions come about, it's for the people who understand their culture and their society at the time that it's introduced. So uh, go ahead, Pia. And that takes us back to your point about being driven nuts because astrologers will not take in the 13th planet. There's a reason that this 13th planet that orbits the sun has been revealed now at the same time that we're dealing with the energy of 13. This is the time where we as a species are set to evolve. This is programmed in the stars for our species evolution, and we don't evolve if we don't integrate where we've been with where we're going. So we have to absolutely take that 13th planet into consideration and change the system. And once the system is changed from the Western perspective, it'll blend and dovetail exactly with the Pleiadian Earth energy system, I'm sure. It's yeah, the power yeah. of 13 that's so important. It is. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to introduce this system to humanity in the public because it, the timing was absolutely correct. I mean, this, this system, if, if P and I are old enough that we could have introduced this system decades ago, mm. the timing wasn't here to introduce it in the energetic period where it belongs. Yeah. You know, there's another observation that we could make here, and that is the number system zero to nine or one to nine, however you want to look at that, uh, is very, um, it, it works on a very physical and mechanical sort of groundwork. Uh, a listener just pointed out that Nikola Tesla believed three, six, and nine were numbers that held the key to the universe. And in some way, it probably does hold the key to the physical manifested universe. I think that the number three up to 13 hold the key to our spiritual destiny or to oh. our our true spirituality and so we have these two number systems working side by side in this 3d 4d 5d world <laughs> that's a fabulous that's a great insight that that is that is an astoundingly important insight thank you <laughs> good glad I could serve. <laughs> Sometimes my mind just goes out there into weird places. But that can answer the question, for example, for Debbie, who has a, a calendar that's based on her life path one, uh, which is a numerological system. And numerology works really well in the physical world. I think 13 then in the energetic uh, of the uh, Pleiadian earth energy really brings us to the higher spiritual uh, dance that we're doing here on the planet as well that we've kind of ignored. It's like astrologers don't really want to notice that Ophiuchus is a sign that the sun goes through usually right about this time of year, right? It's funny that we're talking about it today um, that splits Scorpio off from uh, Sagittarius with that one right in the middle and they don't want to include it. It would cause them to have to rewrite the system. Yeah, absolutely. The and that, and that, is why it doesn't happen because everyone is so used to doing what they're doing. This, this comes back to habit addictions, being in a rut, you know, doing the same thing every day. I think that's People, called insanity. Well, it, it, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry that you have to say that, but I think you're absolutely right. Right. What do they say? Doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a new outcome is 
the definition of insanity. Um, It's insane thinking. And we have to break that pattern. So books like what you've written and the the Pleiadian Earth calendar, uh, they help us to break those old molds to see things in a different way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. What what does what is in Larkma's wisdom about where do we go from here? Well, the first thing that they say is focus on the present moment. Don't get too far focused on where where you're going. Although it's good to set intentions and have goals, absolutely. But you can't be totally focused with your mind on what's coming next. You have to be active consciously where we are right now because Mm -hmm. we're creating what goes next moment by moment by the choices we make, whether they're conscious or unconscious. You want to add to that? Well, Larkma has told us for a very, very long time that this planet and humanity are unique in the universe. All planets with civilizations, all star systems with civilizations don't all have choice. It's not, it's not a given in the universe. This, this experiment that we are all part of has to do with personal choice, free will. It's a different experience than many, many other societies or cultures. And we, mm-hmm. we have to use that, that faculty, that ability in evolving by making the right choices. So it's, it's a different, there's a different possibility here in our evolution than there is in other places around the universe or the cosmos. And that's one of the reason so many energies from without this planet are watching what is going on here at this time, because the choices we make both personally and collectively obviously ripple out in, into the universe, into the cosmos. Many, many different star societies are completely curious about how we're going to establish and design this leap of consciousness because it's up to, it's up to us. Mm-hmm. No, nobody is going to make the choices for us. We have to have the courage and the insights using our intuition and our hearts to make these choices for the highest good of all. So this, this situation on earth right now is totally different than any other epoch or any other age of, of what humanity has been doing. Yeah. I, you know what I keep noticing? There's this um, pattern, at least in the U.S., and I bet it's happening all around the world, where we keep becoming polarized, right? Where mm-hmm. we keep getting this either or kind of thing that goes on. And I really truly believe that every time this pops up, and I mean, it's just popped up in US politics with now a very evenly divided Congress. I think every time that pops up, it's an invitation for us to learn how to work together, how to not how how to not be in the polarization of what's going on, but how to blend it in a way that works without going, without falling prey to the duality, right? Where, um, you know, I don't want to look at you because you're that, and I don't want to be part of that because it's you over here. Um, and, and those opportunities keep coming up. I mean, over and over, especially since like, say, 2019, 2020, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. You've just paraphrased beautifully one of the things that Lartma continually tells people from the Pleiadian perspective, and that is we don't understand and we misuse duality all the time by gravitating towards these polar opposites like you're talking about. The purpose of duality is to broaden our perspectives by doing exactly what you just said, working to make more unity, working together by joining perspectives for a broader view. It's it's as simple as switching our understanding of the difference between competition and cooperation because right? we we are absolutely a society let let's say the western world this this isn't true for existing indigenous people around the world which there are many actually more than people would think nature based people but mm-hmm. we use competition to feather our nests. We use competition to say, I'm better than you are. I'm different than you are. And what you just said, Janet, and what Pia added to is, if we switch to cooperation, we will cause a completely different experience for all of us. If if we cooperate, we will pull duality into its proper way of helping us realize that unity consciousness is the only way we're going to be able to survive. The only way we're going to do a better job. So competition rules our society. And you can see it in everything, in advertising especially. You can see it in many, many different avenues of of our lifestyles. And if we continue the, the competitive lifestyle, we're never going to get along. We're never going to make it to where we want to go. Exactly. And, and, you know, where I was really noticing it is in uh, the, the the election cycle, where you have people who come on to, you know, say that they're better than their opponent. But hands down, they never really just say, this is who I am. And this is what I can do for you. No, it's always, you know, I you know, your, this person, you know, trashed this or did that or, you know, can't help you or whatever. They're never really saying anything true about them. Few, I said, are are saying what they could really do for us or how they would solve the problems of that very thing, right? That polarity. Uh, It's ridiculous. It it, it is. It's the blame game. We're going to blame. Exactly. Instead of standing up and being transparent and speaking out for what I am. And uh, And unfortunately, that helps people rally around the one that they agree with, the the camp that they think makes more sense, when neither of the camps honestly make any sense because of what you just explained. (laughs) Um, And it's like mob mentality, right? It's like such an old paradigm, and it just drives me crazy. It makes me want to just get up there on the world stage and say, wake up, grow up get over your bad selves, right? Just do something different. Um, you know, dare to be different. You know, dare to stand up on a platform of, of we've got to play together on this planet. And how can we do that in a better way? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's okay that you have a different viewpoint than I have as a viewpoint, but we can come together somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, exactly. just, it's just wild that we continually cannot seem to do that. And I think that's a big hurdle for us to get over in order to really enact a higher consciousness. That is a hurdle that a number of humans are going to have to get over. Even, you know, I would say even in my own self, there's times where I get caught up in that. 
All of us do. All of us do. Mm-hmm. When I used to go to symposiums, um, anthropology, archaeology, paleontology, mm-hmm. we would we would talk about what what's going on. How how is mankind changing? What what's really the the crux of who we are at this point? And whenever I had a chance to speak, I would say, you know. We really haven't done a very good job as as a species. We haven't really learned what we've needed to learn because we keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over. And people would look at me and think I was joking or I was being facetious or sarcastic. And I was actually being as honest and forthright as I could be by saying, we really haven't done a very good job. I think our primitive humans uh, did better at cooperation than we could ever hope to be, at least not until we change something in our in our way of thinking. And, you know, likely that was because that's how they could survive. Right. It, it served them to survive. So I would have to ask now, is our very survival dependent on our ability to come back together and cooperate, even though there are eight billion of us now and even though we have all these different countries and different cultures and different religions and belief systems. Can we come together and cooperate? If we get rid of the belief systems, we can. can. (laughs) Go back to the basics of love, trust, compassion, kindness, patience, non-judgment. If we go back to the basics and surrender the belief systems, we absolutely can achieve that. And yes, Janet, I think it is dependent upon being able to achieve that. That ensures our ability to survive. And and there's, there's one other point that I would add to what Pia just said. We need to respect the differences in all the other cultures, Mm -hmm. all the other nations, all the other peoples. If respect isn't part of that foundation that Pia just outlined, it's not going to work because if we don't respect each other, especially in our differences and honor them, it's never going to work. Yeah. These are big things. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of preparing for 2023 as that's a a webinar I do every year about what's coming up for the next year. And there's a lot going on in 2023 that, you know, hopefully brings some positive changes to the world. Uh, The first thing that I was looking at deeply was Saturn's move into Pisces. And, you know, Pisces, Christianity, major religions, they're all really kind of a representation, especially um, Christianity uh, of Pisces. And so now we have this, you know, planet of discipline and order and, and, you know, upending uh, foundations that hold no weight, or hold no water coming through a sign of religion. The last time it did that, it was when the Catholic Church really began to see that there was a sex problem within uh, a pedophile problem going on in the church. So that was way back in the early 90s, 93, I think, to 96. And that was really coming into consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, as we look at belief systems and we look at the the imprint that religion has left on the planet and the spirit of not cooperating – right? Because they're so different. Um, uh, What we might be looking at in terms of uh, the two and a half, three year cycle of Saturn moving through that sign once more. It is also a sign that holds the victimhood, the Mm -hmm. savior, victim, martyr 
uh, energy. So that is going to be up in our faces as well. Kind of an extended shadow period, but of a different sort. So I think one of the key words that I've been looking at for 2023, and I'm kind of like leaking um, <laughs> some clues here, is faith. Having faith and trusting and surrendering, right? Those are the big big three of, of the spiritual words for 2023. Important things to hold on to. Yeah, and not faith like faith in a, in, a, in a religion or a God that's outside of you, but faith in yourself, that in your own inner wisdom. That's and, so important, Janet. That is so important. Yep, right? and, that's, and that's linked to self-love because mm-hmm. we're not very good at loving ourselves. We, we've mm-hmm. been taught through religions, families, from so many different aspects of, of, of our lives that we have to love everybody else. And if, if we're not doing a good job loving ourselves, we're not going to do a good job of loving anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, it's, it's one of those format kind of energies that we have to have as humans, the ability to love ourselves. Otherwise, we take that not loving of ourselves and we put that out there in front of us so we could see it. I mean, literally, that's from the psychological point of view. We're projecting it outwards from ourselves to be able to see it. But it ends up in a shadow of that person's doing something to me or uh, I can blame society. I can blame culture. I can blame religion, et cetera, et cetera, and stops me from ever really looking at my own part in that. What is it showing me about me? Absolutely. And that's the responsible thing. That's another key word for 2023, responsibility and accountability uh, for yourself and how you show up in the world. Yeah. 2023 may be a watershed or a benchmark year for all the things that have been happening in the past two to five years where secrets are are becoming um, known to everybody, where control issues that that have been generational and purposeful. Many of these things are coming to the light and it's possible that 2023 may be even a bigger year of swifter change through seeing these things and seeing what's been going on behind the curtains. Yeah, I feel like it is a pivot year um, when you look at it astrologically, there's a lot of changes that are coming in this year. Pluto changes signs, uh, Saturn changes signs, Jupiter changes signs. That's not all that crazy because it often does. I mean, once a year anyway, at least it's changing signs. But then as well, we shift out of the nodal axis of Scorpio, Taurus, where we've been dealing with a lot of that shadow, baggage, old belief system stuff into Aries and Libra. And so now we have the love and war axis where it is about how can we balance and harmonize um, all of these these different things, these polarities. So it should be, you know, on one hand, you've got Libra and diplomacy and tact and balancing and fairness and justice. And on the other hand, we have Aries, the warrior god, right? The warrior energy. And hold on, I need to, oh, I moved my spray bottle. Dude, leave her alone. Sorry, my cat is not feeling well, and this cat is going to piss her off. Go, go. Dude, there. 
<laughs> That's his name, dude. <laughs> I'm not just saying dude because it's a cool word. His name is dude. Anyway, uh, I apologize for that. Um, so when we're, you know, thinking about where are we going from here, 2023 is really going to probably be the year that we see the handwriting on the wall. Like, mm -hmm. you know, are we headed for another revolution or civil war here in the U.S. that spills out across to, you know, other countries? Uh, are we, you know, going to keep going the greed model way? Um, because that's certainly, it's certainly possible, but it isn't sustainable. So that will be something that we'll have to look at. And as well, how, how do we become more humane? That's going to be another theme, especially later uh, in 2023, when, you know, we have Pluto that moves into Aquarius early in the year, then retrogrades back into the sign of Capricorn and then ends 2023 there and begins 2024 back in Aquarius again. So we have, you know, opportunities to straighten things out, to get a new point of view, to see things from a different perspective, to, to agree that we want something different. Mm -hmm. Do we want something different? Right? Yes, or do we, do. we want to keep going this way and, you know, trash the planet, trash each other, uh, be disempowered, you know, that's kind of been the result of where we've, the, the way that we have been living. Yeah. And I think the past two and a half years have made a significant change in people wanting to do something different, to do something that's, that's more heartfelt, more conscious, more involved with with unity thinking and unity understanding and yeah. i think maybe the silver lining of the past two years the past two and a half years is that i think it has actually given humanity the advantage to wake up and to realize <laughs> to realize that we've been going down the wrong road and that we need to alter our course and i think maybe what you've been talking about for the past few minutes is going to occur in 2023. It's certainly going to be right in our faces. And here's the other thing. It isn't going to be something that is turned by, um, by our institutions or our governments or anything. It's going to have to be choices that are made by individuals. Mm -hmm. It's going to have to be each one of us separately, but also together creating a pathway to the new world. We can't just sit back and wait for it to happen, that we're a player in it every day, in every moment, by the choices that we're making individually, as well as that playing out in the collective. We can't just sit back and blame and say, you know, it's the Republicans' fault, or it's the Democrats' fault, or it's the, you know, it's China's fault, it's Russia, right? It's Putin. It's always about Putin. Um, we can't do that anymore because we're also a player on the stage of, of this play <laughs> that we call earth. And that, that Janet dovetails with what Larkma told us when they first introduced themselves to us, we wanted a description of, of who they were, who they, they represented themselves as. And in the very beginning of our communications, they said, we are 
one of six and six of one. And we said, what the heck does that mean? And they said, we are six individuals with, with our own opinions, our own understandings, our own, our own way of, of, of doing things with our own gifts and talents. But we combine that as a unified group of six and we make all of our decisions individually for the highest good of all through the understanding of the six of us. And that's exactly what you just explained by being individual, but making the decisions for the highest good of all. And that is exactly what we have to do because we have, we have to stop thinking we're separate. We have to start understanding and motivating ourselves to realize that we're part of a bigger picture, a bigger group. And that is going to be one of the things we have to do to create a better world. Absolutely. And it's funny, people are saying things, Tom, just like the three musketeers, all for one and one for all. Christine says that reminds me of Captain Planet. Uh, and I don't know who Captain Planet is. I have this kind of thing in my memory about like maybe a cartoon character or is it a actual like hero i don't know um but it, it, we we have we have these heroes in our mythologies that are that that show us that that's the way um but unfortunately you know they they haven't been heard in as loud a voice as maybe they need to be going here forward mm -hmm. yeah so, uh, Pia, uh, what's up for you as far as are you doing any classes or workshops, end of year things? You, I know you have readings still available that you're doing. Is there anything else new going on? Nothing new in terms of workshops or teaching, nothing in that. I'm doing more individual one-on-one -on -one work right now. I'm helping people with both their energetic understanding of who they are through the chart work. And I'm also doing a lot of dietary consultation because oh. this evolutionary journey that we're on right now, our bodies are not dealing well with the foods that we've been accustomed to eating. So I'm helping people customize diets that work better for their bodies and their health. Mm, good for you. That's good for them too. Um, I think you also wrote a book, something like that. I had that sitting right in front of me and now it, didn't you write a book that had something about how to how to eat in this new time? The, the third book in the Larkma trilogy, the yes. Manual for Accelerated Evolution and Ascension. That yep. one has a whole section in there on how to get your diet more aligned with the higher energies. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I knew I'd seen that somewhere. So that's good. And that's a, a book series that's also available on your website right? Yes. Okay. And the website is still listed on the screen, at least for those of you in YouTube land, uh, piaorlean.com. And it is P-I-A-O-R-L-E-A-N-E, piaorlean.com, or larkma.com. I could have put that up there too. But um, that's where you can also find out how to order the calendar, which I can't imagine anybody not wanting to have that calendar in their hands and the book Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology. So uh, for me, let's see, this weekend I'm actually doing a fair. If you live in the Western Washington area, you might want to come over to Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon as I will be there giving $20 astrology readings. And if you know an astrology reading, $20 is a sight to behold. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that in terms of, you know, timing, but uh, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to try this. 
and I'll be there from 10 to 6 on Saturday and uh, probably be there as well Sunday from 10 to 5 or 10 to 4, I think it is. Uh, and then as well, today is our Astro Design Meetup. And you can go to Living Astrology on Facebook and you can get the Zoom link to join us. It's a free meetup time where you can bring your questions about any of the systems that we use, astrology, human design, gene keys, soul work. You can even ask me Pleiadian earth energy questions. If I can answer them, I will. <laughs> if I can't, I will refer you to uh, Pia and Colin. And uh, let's see, I think that is it. The weekend for us astrologically, you know, we're carrying on this sort of day by day transit thing that's been going on since uh, 16 days ago, just about, actually, since about the day of the uh, lunar eclipse on November 8th. And this weekend's uh, all about the sun and Pluto, Mars and Neptune, and then the sun and Jupiter. The uh, Mars and Neptune is the only one that I think might be a struggler. The other two are pretty easy, just thinking about how we can empower ourselves, how it is that we can walk the path of growth and expansion. But Mars square Neptune enters in, in a way, enters into the conversation about our own personal spiritual destiny or our own spiritual path that we're walking and uh, asks us to become more spiritual, actually, asks us to, you know, deepen our spiritual practice um, and to, to release ourselves, you know, from the old struggles that uh, Mars would normally in forward motion bring us. So the struggle of, you know, being uh, aggressive or being um, out in the world, being bold, pushing things to happen, forcing things to happen, and instead go within and see what is the path that's in front of you if you use your inner eye or your inner um, intuition. So it's an, it, it seems to me like an excellent weekend uh, but those transits are piled up on one another as in like three or, you know, every day something new has been happening. So they overlap. So, we, you know, we're still dealing with today, today being Friday, we're still dealing with things, uh, Venus moving into Sagittarius on Tuesday and Mercury moving into Sagittarius on Thursday, plus some of the other things that have gone on. So it can feel very, um, it can feel kind of chaotic. It can kind of feel, you know, a little upending. Uh, but just go with the flow. <laughs> Revert to your spiritual practice. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is it for me. Is there any last words you want to leave us with before we end the broadcast this morning? Well, one thing that people can look forward to is we move into the energy of planting energy next week. So planting energy is auspicious, lucky, upbeat, positive vibes. It's a great chance for us to really empower ourselves with what we want to plant seeds of to see happen in the future. Because you asked a while back about the future. That's yep. one we we'll focus on it. The energy starts on sunset on Tuesday. We step into it. And Wednesday the 23rd is our first full day in planting energy. So we've got 13 days of that energy to look forward to, which is great after being in three weeks of collective shadow cycle. <laughs> yes. So even though it's one planting on one day, it's the over lighting energy for the whole 13 day period. The whole 13 day period. We'll have that tone. Yes. So tone. Great. Yes. I like that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you. I'll see you on Monday morning. And Pia and Colin will probably be with me in December. And I don't have that. Oh, wait, do I have that date? 
December 16th. Yeah. Woohoo! December 16th. Be there, yes. be square. <laughs> See you then. Thank you. All right. Bye.